Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Ranting Redneck podcast. I'd like to thank everyone who listened to the first episode and especially thank those who gave me some feedback and told me what you thought. You really don't understand how much that means. So today we've got a couple things we're going to touch on and you never know where we may end up. It's just kind of the way my mind is. It jumps around everywhere. But one of the things I really want to touch on is this garbage eviction moratorium that has been unconstitutional it was unconstitutional from the word go because it was done by the centers for disease control and they do not have any legislative authority they do not have any authority to make laws or to you know create legislation and they are strictly a regulatory and not really regulatory strictly a research agency and it was determined by the supreme court in june that the previous eviction moratorium stood with a 4-4 vote with brett kavanaugh basically stating that he felt it was unconstitutional but it was about to expire and he thought it should be left in place to allow congress to act but certainly intimated that he would rule against it if you know it wasn't done properly the thing to ask with any policy that happens like this or you know is the the old question qui bono who benefits and when you look at something like this it does not benefit main street america it does not benefit blue-collar working Americans that have busted their ass to try to have something. You have, you're not protecting landlords. You're protecting these useless tenants that, you know, think it's okay to not pay rent and think that you should abolish private property ownership, you know, and these are opinions stated by people who have never in their lives worked to own anything and do not understand the value of working for something and being able to say, I worked hard. That's mine. I did that. They do not understand this. And you're, you're protecting people that, you know, I understand there are some people that have fallen on hard times and I don't want anyone to think that I am unsympathetic toward that because we've all had our struggles in life. It's just, part of the human condition you know we we have the good times and we have the bad times but at the end of the day you're killing people that have worked hard to have something you know a lot of rental property is owned by elderly people that worked hard and they may have inherited an extra home they may have worked hard to buy that second home they may have purchased a property that had two homes on it with the intent that they could use the other one as a rental property to help supplement a fixed income later in life or you know to to help them pay for their their primary home quicker or and they have worked hard to do this and now you're basically telling them that they have to give the use of that property to someone for free and you know there's a perception among people that don't understand what ownership can mean 
that people are hoarding houses or that, well, landlords don't do anything. They shouldn't be compensated for that. But at the end of the day, a landlord is no different than a plumber, an electrician, a mailman. You know, they're they're providing a service for you that you're not able to provide for yourself in exchange for compensation. They're expected to maintain property that they don't live in so that you have suitable living conditions. And in all these, this garbage of this eviction moratorium, you know, landlords are still expected to keep maintenance up on properties. They're still expected to pay a mortgage on these rental properties. There's, there's no protection for the, the landowners in any of this. It is basically telling people it's basically reinstating squatters rights to a, a degree, you know, you're saying, Hey, your butt's parked there. So for now it's yours. And this is horribly unfair to a lot of, you know, middle to upper middle class people that have worked hard to own these properties. There's, when we get into looking at who benefits, the, the benefit for this is, well, one, it benefits a lot of these lazy, unmotivated people that have never worked to own anything. And a lot of these people that are months and months behind on rent, they may not have been able to work, but a lot of them were drawing the federal unemployment that was tantamount to a raise. They were getting this unemployment that paid them more than they made when they were getting up, going to work every day, coming home. They had additional income, but they knew that they couldn't be evicted from their rental property, so they just didn't bother. They went out and might have bought a big screen TV or pimped out their car or, you know, they wasted this money instead of using it for keeping up with everyday expenses and keeping their bills paid. And much like the cancel student debt morons, they're expecting now someone to pick up the slack for them because they know that the first chance that landlord gets, he's going to remove them from that property. And rightfully so. It's his property. He hasn't been compensated for it. He should have every right to receive payment for the service that he is providing. And when you start looking once again into who else benefits from this, you see these big holding and hedge companies, you know, finance companies like BlackRock that are going ahead of construction or right behind construction and buying up entire subdivisions of single family homes and, and buying them above the asking prices, basically pricing, you know, Dick and Jane down the street out of the housing market. They're basically going to looking to, if you look at it objectively, it looks like they're basically going to try to create these big, huge tracts of rental properties and make home ownership almost impossible for 90% of average Americans. You know, if you don't have just extraordinary income and you can't afford to pay over the asking price for a home, you're not going to be able to own one. And when you do that, you create a permanent class of renters. And 
you know, these people, these young kids that don't understand, well, it's not even young kids. There's a lot of them are in their mid thirties that don't understand that a landlord provides a valuable service. They're really not going to enjoy it when their landlord is some multi-billion dollar corporation that doesn't have an idea who they are, what they look like, what they do. They're simply a, a number in a system. And, you know, a lot of person to person landlords, people that just own a second property or own a couple second properties, or even someone who manages, say, a small apartment complex, they, they know you, they, they recognize you, you know, you can talk to them, you see them. If you have a time that you're struggling a little bit, you got sick and missed a couple days of work or an unexpected bill came up and you're really scuffling, you can go talk to them, you know, and a lot of them will work with you. They'll say, Hey, you know, just catch me up best you can now that you're working or they'll find ways to work with you. When you become a number in a computer system, nobody's going to work with you. It's going to be, Hey, you didn't pay your rent. Get the hell out. The out of the frying pan into the fire principle of this, that so many people that are renters don't understand is going to come back. It's going to bite them in the ass and it's going to leave a really ugly scar, but they're not going to understand that until it happens. You have now a quote unquote president that in the face of knowing that the Supreme Court said this was basically unconstitutional and Brett Kavanaugh being the swing vote there that said he would probably rule against it, you know, if it wasn't done legislatively through Congress. And now you have Joe Biden antagonizing him by saying, well, yeah, it's probably illegal, but what the hell I'm going to do it anyway. It'll take a while for it to get through the courts and trying to stall while Congress takes a six week recess. He's trying to stall. And, you know, someone advised him that it would be tied up in the courts long enough that eventually maybe Congress would get to it, but that it was okay to basically just defy the Supreme court. We, we have no respect in our administration for the rule of law, the norms of this country for the court system. The court systems in this country have always been a check on executive power. And you have now an executive branch that is basically saying we can do what the hell we want and we'll just tie it up in court long enough that it doesn't matter whether it's constitutional, whether it's legal, whether we have the actual authority to do it, we're just going to tie it up in court and you can't do a thing about it. It's never historically gone well when a elected official intentionally antagonizes the Supreme court. Now, I'm not so sure because I've lost a lot of confidence in the court systems as far as actually going by the law. They seem to go by what party appointed them. But this whole this whole thing is illegal. It's unconstitutional. It should not happen. You know, they want to prevent people from getting evicted. Well, the best way to avoid getting an eviction notice is just to pay your damn rent. You you're accepting a service 
you should receive payment for that. You know, these same people, if they had to get up and go to a job every day, but at the end of the week, their boss was allowed to say, well, we didn't sell a lot of burgers this week, so we're just not going to pay you this week. They'd absolutely have a fit. I mean, they would shit their pants and kick and scream right in the middle of the floor. But they think it's okay to accept the services of a landlord without having to return compensation. That's not how things in this country work. And we'll see how this plays out as it, you know, because it's going to be challenged in the courts. Obviously, it was challenged previously. And it's going to be challenged in the courts. And, of course, the courts have said that if it goes through Congress, I still think that it's a crock of shit. It's unconstitutional to expect private property owners to basically open their property to people who aren't willing to compensate them in return for the use of that property. You know, I couldn't go lease a piece of hunting property and then at the end of a year just tell the person that I leased it from, hey, I'm going to hunt here another year, but I'm just not going to pay you for it. And I wouldn't expect someone to tolerate that. That's, that's just not how rental agreements work. You are paying for a service. If you're not willing to pay for that service, if you don't want to have to pay rent, you think that's wrong, then go buy a home. If you're not able to buy a home, then you need the service that landlord provides. If your toilet's plugged up or your, you know, won't drain, you need a plumber. If your lights won't come on, you need an electrician. If you don't want to or can't buy a home, you need a landlord. And putting small landlords out of business, which is essentially all this moratorium is going to do, is going to allow these holding companies and real estate companies, et cetera, to accumulate more land and more properties that these small landlords aren't able to keep up mortgages on because they're not being paid for the use of their property. Like I said, we're, we'll see how this all shakes out as it passes through the court system because it's pretty much a sense that it's going to be challenged. And if things go the way they should, in very short order, it will be struck down as being unconstitutional. But we'll just have to see, and we'll hope for the best. And if you're a landlord out there or a property owner that rents property out, I, I wish you the best. And I certainly hope that, you know, this is handled the way it should be and determined to be unconstitutional. But we'll just have to see. The other thing I wanted to touch on today is political language in this country and and how sad and how intellectually lazy it has gotten you know everything is about if you don't have facts you just point the finger at the other guy and call him a nazi or you get into the ists isms and phobias you know you're a racist you're a sexist you're homophobic you're you know, a classist, an ableist. I think they literally just throw a bunch of words in a hat. And if an argument's going the wrong way, they reach in there and pull a word out and say, okay, I can put ist on the end of this. You're a sexist. Or I can use phobia with this word. You're homophobic. And this is, as I said, the most intellectually lazy 
method of debate in the world. I have no facts. I have nothing that will refute your opinion. So I'm just going to basically resort to these ad hominem attacks and call you a racist or a sexist or, you know, transphobic, homophobic. The list is extensive and they just, any word, it seems like somebody's willing to throw ist, ism, or phobia on the back of. You know, it's, oh, you're Islamophobic, which is the absolute dumbest term in the world. A phobia is defined as an irrational or unnatural, illogical fear. Hydrophobia is a ridiculous, pathological, unnatural fear of water. Acrophobia is the unnatural fear of heights. There's Islamophobia can't really exist because you can't call something a phobia when it is a resistance to or a fear of an ideology that basically says that your life is not worth living and you should be killed if you don't subscribe to that ideology. We have watched Islam for hundreds of years, persecute, torture, murder, commit genocide against any culture that didn't accept and follow their beliefs. You have watched them in recent history, you know, with the, the Yazidis and with the Coptic Christians in Egypt, you have watched all these people be murdered, be tortured, be enslaved. You know, they, they basically, it, if you don't believe what they believe, they believe that you don't exist. You have no right to exist. You have no rights. You are not a person. You are basically somewhere between a dog and a camel as far as where you stand on the social hierarchy. And when people try to call that a phobia, I don't understand it because you're basically saying, well, yes, here's an ideology. Here's a culture that believes everyone who is not part of that culture should be killed, but it's unnatural. It's illogical to fear that or to be bothered by that. That's not a phobia. That's, that's caution. That's natural human instinct of self-preservation. You know, you look at what goes on, a lot of what's happened in between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And, you know, the Palestinians have made it very clear that they believe the Israeli state should not exist. You know, their chant from the river to the sea, they, they believe that because it's Israel and they're Jewish, they shouldn't exist. They should be killed. They should be wiped out. You know, you look historically at what Islam has done. There is no way to have a phobia of something that is that legitimate a threat to anyone who is not a part of it. There's just absolutely nothing unnatural about being scared of someone who is basically or an ideology that is basically said their goal is to eliminate you. That's not a phobia. But back to our ists and isms and, you know, this day and age, you cannot, cannot speak on normal facts. You cannot judge someone by the content of their character. Or if you don't give them preferential treatment because they're a person of color or a minority or whatever protected class you want to pick, then suddenly you're a racist, you're sexist, you're homophobic, you're, you know, there's,
people can't look you so much of the political left in this country, they want to scream Nazi and they want to scream racist. And, you know, they, that's because they don't have facts to debate with. They don't, they don't believe that judging someone strictly, strictly on the content of their character is equal treatment. Well, that's literally the definition of equal treatment. If you do not favor anyone by anything other than their actions and the content and context of your interactions with them. That is the most equal treatment you can offer anyone on the planet. But in today's society, equality is not equality. It's considered to be, if you're not showing favor to someone, then you're somehow oppressing them. If you're giving them the same opportunities you had, that's not good enough. You have to give them better opportunities. You have to show favor. And that's not a belief system of equality. That is a system of supremacy. You know, the term, oh, you're a white supremacist. Well, if you believe in treating everyone equally, suddenly in 2021, you're a white supremacist, a white nationalist. You know, the term nationalist, has been so horribly bastardized in this country and made to mean something terrible when a nationalist is simply someone who takes pride in and loves their country. Someone who is proud to be an American or, you know, a Brit, be British, proud to be French, proud to be German. That is a nationalist, someone who takes pride in their own country. A nationalist is someone like my grandfather who lied about his age to fight in world war one, then again, lied about his age to go fight in world war two, because he believed that when your country called you answered, you know, a nationalist is people who they believe that your country matters. They believe that if your country needs your help, you do something. A nationalist is someone who believes that the interest of your nation should come above the interest of others. There's nothing wrong with being a nationalist, but they have attached all these other ad adjectives to it, you know, white nationalist and all this. And there's a difference between what you would call an economic nationalist and an ethnic nationalist. An economic nationalist is what I spoke of. There's somebody who believes our country should, if our country prospers, that is what matters. And historically, when the U.S. prospers, it's been shown that the other nations connected to the U.S. and in general, you know, most of the, the European nations, Canada, they, they prosper when the U.S. does. But they've taken these terms and just made them out to be something terrible, you know. You're, you're not allowed to treat everybody equally. You're not allowed to love your country. You're not allowed to feel like you should protect your property and that what you own is sacred to you. And, you know, the, the deal of there've been, been movements in this country stating that white people should give up their property to families of color, that when you pass away, your will should be giving your home and all everything you've worked for all your life to some minority somewhere. Instead of saying, hey, you worked hard all your life and your kids are getting a little bit better start because of you and honoring that 
people have suddenly turned that into something bad where, oh, you're passing down generational wealth, so you're oppressing all these people. Bullshit. You work hard all your life. One of the things you want to do is you want to see your kids be able to have a better life than you. You're not working hard all your life to turn around and give everything to a stranger somewhere. You know, this is not only is this the bigotry of low expectations that you hear talked about, you know, well, these people can't, uh, this group or that group can't achieve this on their own. They need somebody else to give it to them. Well, that's racism at its very worst, you know, low expectations are far more damaging than any racial or ethnic slur you can call somebody or anything you're ever going to say to somebody expecting them not to achieve simply because of their birth. Well, that that's bigotry in its purest and worst form. You know, don't, there shouldn't be movements to people give away things to someone else. It should be, Hey, you know, we, we want to provide opportunities. We want to, you know, help people give people a hand up, but the, the movements you see in this country, like BLM, they're not trying to give people a hand up that's not an equality movement. That's not, uh, that is simply a supremacy movement. That is, we're going to show you, we can go in we can burn your neighborhood. We can loot your businesses. We can do whatever we want to, and you can't do a damn thing about it. And if you do, oh, you're a racist, you know, you're, you're a, a white nationalist. If, if you don't buy into anti-racism, you must be a racist. Well, 90% of what I see people claim is anti-racist is horribly racist. It's just not the kind of racist that they want people to believe exists in this world. You know, they think that you, you can't be racist unless you're white. You, you know, and that is absolutely patently false. There's, you know, it's turned into Basically, we're going to paint as bad a picture of you as we can possibly paint because we have nothing good to argue with. You know, it's, and, and I don't, I'm not, I don't care who you are, what you look like, how you act around me and how you interact with me is the only thing that matters to me. I'm not transphobic, homophobic. I'm bullshit phobic. If, you have no facts to talk about and all you can do is call me names and tell me what a horrible human being I am and call me a Nazi. And yeah, I'm, I have no use for that. That's just, that's bullshit. That's, that's not a fact-based argument. If you can show me facts to prove that what I said was wrong, I'll be the very first person to say, Hey, you got me. Yeah, I stand corrected. But when all you've got is these ad hominem attacks and buzzwords and, you know, nothing, nothing of any substance. Well, I'm basically, I don't want to hear what you have to say because it's all bullshit. And yeah, I'm bullshit phobic, but the, the sad part of this is it has all these isms and ists and phobias and has been the end of civil discourse in this country. There's no such thing as a two people civilly disagreeing. There's no such thing as someone listening with an open mind. You know, you see all these social media arguments and, and I've been guilty of it myself. You know, I mean, 
we all do it. Nobody's maybe one or two people in the history of humanity have had their mind changed by an argument on social media. By the time it reaches that point, people's beliefs are so much a part of who they are that you're not going to change someone's mind. But when all you can come up with is you're a racist or, you know, you're a misogynist, you're certainly not ever going to get anyone to even listen to you and consider what you're saying to be a rational argument. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be somebody's subtweet about, well, look at this psycho or, you know, if all you have is ists, isms and phobias to debate with, you probably ought to go read a book. You probably ought to read a newspaper. You probably ought to listen to some stuff on the radio. You probably ought to turn off CNN, turn off the mainstream media, look around, see what's actually happening in the world around you. If you stop and look at what's happening in the world around you, it is a whole different thing than what you see in the media. If you look at Main Street America, people aren't fighting and fussing and arguing. People are getting up and going to work together. People want to be left alone, play with their kids, get, do their job, you know, work on their home. They just want to be left alone to live their life. They don't want to have this ism and phobia where I can't say anything to anyone or I'm going to offend somebody culture. That's a lunatic fringe on society. Unfortunately, in 2021, that lunatic fringe is what people listen to the squeaky wheel gets the grease principle when society is controlled or dictated you know the actions of society are dictated by a lunatic screeching fringe on the outside edge of society then you have reached a point where society is horribly broken and this is not easily fixed you know there's so much of this country that just wants to live their life. They want to get up, go to work, you know, they want to be left alone, but you have this screeching fringe that everybody seems to think that they need to cater to, be it the government, be it big business, be it the media. They all act like if they don't satisfy this lunatic fringe, that something bad's going to happen to them. And they don't realize that the majority of people in this country are just normal. They don't don't run around screaming and burning buildings and wearing masks on their face and calling everybody Nazis. And, you know, that's that's a small minority in this country. And the sooner we realize that, the better off we will be. But sadly, that doesn't look like something that's going to change anytime real soon. There's a perception in this country, and it's a very sad perception that that you can call yourself whatever you want, and suddenly you become this. You know, you've got these quote-unquote anti-fascists that are burning businesses because someone doesn't agree with them, that they're they're beating people in the streets because they expressed an opinion these people didn't like, and which is literally basically the tactics of every fascist regime in the history of the world. You know, you, you can't just label something the way you want it to and have it be that you can 
put donut sprinkles on a dog turd. It doesn't make it a donut. It's still just a dog turd. And, you know, you can call yourself, you can say, well, black lives matter, but they've done nothing to enrich black lives. They've raised billions of dollars in funds. They've not started one black business. They've not built one home in a black neighborhood. They have done nothing to try to improve the situation for the very people that they claim they are representing. You know, like I said, the anti-fascists that are literally using every fascist tactic known to man. There's a perception, you know, that you can call it what you want and that makes it it. And that's not the case. I can't call myself a jockey and suddenly I'm riding a horse in the Kentucky Derby. You know, I can't say, hey, I want to be Mario Andretti and suddenly I'm in a Formula One race somewhere. That's not how the world works, but there's a perception, you know, you see people defending like Antifa on social media. Well, they're anti-fascist. Well, I'm anti-bullshit. Does that count for anything? You know, I, I don't buy it. They, they literally are everything that they claim to be against. And, you know, these morons now that have taken to defending them on social media and showing pictures of Normandy, the anti-fascist storming the beach. Well, good grief that not only is that intellectually lazy that is basically the dumbest comparison you can possibly make but that's what this country's become the lunatic fringe makes stupid comparisons and the whole world you know nobody nobody wants to be the kid that says hey the emperor has no clothes because instead of being celebrated for being courageous and being courageous enough to say the right thing and to be honest about you know the elephant in the room now people like that are just publicly excoriated they'd be flogged on the square if that was still legal because you're not allowed to say that the emperor has no clothes you have to just go with the narrative and you know put up with whatever people want to call themselves but you know if until until the majority in this country stands up to the lunatic fringe things aren't going to change things aren't going to get better it's just going to get worse we we need to start recognizing the fact that that's all this is, 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 you know, the lunatics, the psychos on the outside edge of society and quit for expecting 99% of the population to capitulate to the 1% that's offended by everything. But that's pretty much everything we have to, to go over today. And so, um, you can, check us out on twitter at the reigning redneck podcast at redneck rants pod any new episodes that will be the first place that you see them um we're now available on six different podcast services so you know if you if you like what you hear be sure to pull up your favorite podcast service and follow us and we hope you'll enjoy what we had to say and thanks for listening